going to um, just preface this. I'm going to, uh, the Lord's already done it, but I'm just going to speak from a little bit of a broken place today, but that's okay. And um, um, a couple weeks ago, uh, two weeks ago, uh, last time I, I spoke, uh, we had David Norris last week, and, and didn't he do an awesome job? I was watching in California, amen. Thank you for everybody who stepped up while we were gone and and did what uh, filled everything in. I, it just goes, things go on uh, without a, a, a miss when I'm when I'm gone, and that's what you want. And uh, David did good. And the week before, we had our missionary from Guatemala and just gave us a report, and I was super encouraged coming out of that. And uh, a couple weeks ago, I spoke on, uh, talk, talked about Elijah out of 1 Kings chapter 17, how, how he had went to King Ahab and told him that there was going to be a drought and it was going to stop raining. And then and God took him and took him to the brook Cherith where he hid him and God fed him and God allowed him to drink from the brook and God sent ravens and fed him. Amen. And uh, he didn't eat Kentucky Fried Chicken. The chicken actually brought him food, right? No, not I don't know. Uh, a raven is not really a chicken, but... Uh, uh, but God, God supplied His need, and I talked about how important it is in the in the places, the quiet places of ministry. Sometimes God will send you in a season where He will sustain you, where He will keep you from harm. And so I, I uh, just felt compelled. I mean, even a couple weeks ago, that I was going to carry on with this story and where He goes next. So First Kings chapter seventeen, we're going to be in verse eight um, through 16, and I'm going to go ahead and read all of this uh, today. It says this, And the word of the Lord came to him, Arise, go to Zarephath, uh, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow, everyone say commanded, a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And she was going uh, and she was going to bring it. He called to her and said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat and die. And we know that's a, that's a bleak situation right there. Verse 13, and Elijah said to her, do not fear. Everyone say, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterwards, make something for yourself and your son. Verse 14, for thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent. The jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. Verse 15, and she went and did as Elijah said. Everyone say, and she went and did as Elijah said. So look at that, the next part. Uh, and she and her household ate for many days. Verse 16, the jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. I want to speak to you on this simple subject today. What is in your hand? What is in your hand? Everyone look at your neighbor and say, what is in your hand? 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for your grace and mercy, God. God, I, I thank you, Lord, that you speak to us, Lord, that you love us, Lord. You, your loving kindness, Lord, is better than life. God, I, I pray, Lord, that you would just uh, begin to speak through me today. God, anoint this vessel, God, as you see fit. God, I am yours. God, I surrender my will to yours today. God, I pray, Lord, that you would uh, just begin to uh, anoint this, this word, Lord. Anoint, Lord, me. God, I pray, Lord, that you would begin to touch hearts, God, and open hearts today. God, I pray that those who are discouraged would be lifted up. Those who need hope would find it. Those who need joy today would find joy. And, Lord, we thank you for this. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. So we have Elijah who was at the brook of Cherith, and uh, God, uh, when God ends a season, God always has a placement for you in another season, whatever that is in, uh, in your life. And he sends him over to Zarephath, which uh, means this, that, that word Zarephath means the refining place. Everyone say the refining place. So God may take you from a, a place of supply and then God, you know, we're all in this process in our walk with Jesus. And then sometimes when God has blessed you and he's put you in a season of blessing, how many love seasons of blessing? God sends the ravens. He's feeding you. There's water. But then those things begin to dry up. God sends you to Zarephath. And that is uh, where God begins to refine you. A lot of us love the Lord to bless us, but we don't like the Lord to start refining us. Come on, right? And, and so I, I begin to think about this. Sometimes in the test of life, God sends us to the, to the refining place. And he was, uh, Elijah was probably tired. Uh, he was probably sunburnt. Come on, right? You're sitting out in the, by a brook all day. He was probably really sunburnt. I don't know. Uh, and we see that he is thirsty and hungry when he comes into the, to the town. But, but God's provision uh, would, would be with him in through this whole process. And sometimes, you know, we, we always wonder, God, is your provision going to be in this place? Lord, if I, if I take this step, is this going to happen? And God always comes through. Amen. Uh, how many of you today, and listen, I'll be the first one to raise my hand. How many of you today can be honest with me and say, hey, I'm a little spiritually tired today. All right. Is there anybody? Listen, I spent a whole week with teenagers and yelling at kids and loving on kids. And listen, I, I am just a little bit tired and a little bit, uh, 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 you know, poured out. And, and you maybe you feel like you need a pick-me-up. But today, if you need hope, if you need peace, if you need encouragement, this message is for you today. Amen. Can you lift your hand and say, I receive that, Pastor. I receive that today. So I, I want to just, just talk to you today just real fast. Uh, and, and here's point number one is this. Maybe in life you're running on empty, right? Running on empty. Uh, it never fails. It never fails. Uh, my wife, if I drive her car, come on, somebody, you know where I'm going here, right? When I get in her car or she'll say, hey, are you going to town? Why don't you take my car? It's making a funny noise, you know. And, and I get in the car and it's the gaslight. Ding, 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 ding. That's the noise, right? And, and uh, I got in the car yesterday me, when, when I got back into town, me and Tristan ran to town. And, and I got in the car and I looked down and it said 40 miles till empty. And I said, boy, wait, wait till I get home, Tristan. She goes, I made it all week without you. And look. It never fails. And, and, but, but here in this story, we see two people running on empty, both Elijah and the widow. 
And they're both at a, at a place where they're, they're struggling. And, they're struggling. and what I love about this story is this widow is never named. She's just known as the widow of, of Zarephath. That's it. We don't know her name at all. And, uh, you know, I think some of the, the people that have the most faith in Scripture are unnamed people that God used. And, hey, maybe you feel like you're in a quiet place, like, hey, hey, God, I'm over here. But let me tell you something. You don't have to have a name. God can, God can use you in a mighty way. We're still talking about this widow. We don't know her name, but we're still being encouraged by this widow. So, but Elijah, he came from the brook of Cherith, the leaving the brook after being fed by the ravens for that period of time, the brook began to dry and the birds stopped coming and God told him to go to Zarephath. And, and you say, well, that's not a big deal. That's actually an improvement from the brook, you know, being out in the, out in the sticks for a while. But you don't know how crazy that is because he's telling him, he says, go there. And, and this is crazy. He is leaving the nation Israel and he's going into a Gentile city, Zarephath. And not only is it a Gentile city, this is where Jezebel was from. You already know that, that Elijah and Jezebel, man, they, they struggled. And this is the capital of the, the god Baal. This is Baal country. This is, he is going into the heat of the fire. And this is where the people worship Baal. And Baal was the Canaanite Phoenician god of, of rain and fertility. But, but Elijah, he, ser he served Jehovah. And I think it's just kind of funny that God would speak to Elijah and tell uh, Ahab and Jezebel, who served Baal, and, and tell them, hey, God is going to stop the rain. I am Jehovah. I am sovereign over Baal. There is nothing that your little G God can do that Jehovah, capital G God, can't do. Amen? Oh, I love that. I, I'm a little fired up today. Here he comes into Zarephath, running on empty, no food and no water, and he journeys there just trusting that God would supply. So let's flip the script here. Let's go to the widow. She's a Gentile. She's, um, you know, and the Jews, let me tell you something, the Jews and the Gentiles didn't get along. And matter of fact, through Scripture, you could read that the Jews, they looked at the Gentiles. You know what they called them? Dogs. You are no better than a dog. You, you, are, you, are, you are not God's chosen people. And, and there she is. She's out gathering sticks. And she's, uh, you know, sounds like me after the storms, out gathering sticks in my yard to put in my fire. But, no, she's gathering a handful of sticks to, to cook her last meal that she has. And she has that in her hand, the flour and, and the oil to basically make a cake for her and her son to eat. And, and then they would die. Man, how many know that that is a, an impossible situation? Have you ever been there in your life where you opened the fridge and you thought, man, it's going to be mayonnaise sandwiches today. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in a, in a, in a place that seemed impossible? Uh, uh, imagine knowing that you're getting ready to cook your last meal and expecting to die. Some of us can't even relate to that. We can't even understand that. But she is in a dark, she's in a deep place. And, and you know what? It's crazy. She only has what is in her hands, and that is it. So, so they're both running on empty, the widow and, and, and Elijah. And Elijah comes in, and he's, he wants water. You know what I love about this lady? He comes in in the middle of a drought, walks into Zarephath there, and, and sees this widow and says, hey, I need a drink. And you know what she does? She does something that is amazing. She goes, and I don't know where the source of water was, but she somehow finds him some water to give him something to drink. How many know that, that that's an amazing servant's heart right there? 
I don't know this traveler, but I feel like, and you know what's crazy is God commanded is what, remember when I said that, we read that God commanded her. God had been probably speaking to her. How many know that God will use whoever he wants to use to accomplish his plan? Amen. And so she gives him a, a little bit of water. But Elijah, he goes a step further in faith because God told him that a widow would provide for him there. And, and he goes just a little bit further and he says, hey, uh, I also, why don't you make a cake and, and give that to me? How many know, man, that's, how many have had people come over to your house, you know, and you give them, you know, a drink or something like that? And they're like, hey, you got any food in your fridge? It's almost like they're overstepping their bounds. Hey, can I have a piece of that cake up there on the... Oh, you know, they're just a little bit, and it almost seems like Elijah is just being a little bit stingy, a little bit selfish there, right? The widow, she didn't have much to offer. She's taken back by this traveler, and 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 uh, and and honestly, that that she's kind of blown away that he would even want anything from from them. But uh, it would be like uh, you asking one of those people begging for money on the side of the road for more money, saying, hey, when they're holding their sign up, hey, do you have $5? And you stop in a row down your window and say, hey, do you have $5? We're both in a bad situation here, right? That's, that's kind of what I, it almost seems wrong, right? Man, I see that you're hurt. I, I see that, that you're struggling here, but it almost seems like it's so. But, but let me ask you this. Here's a good question. What are you running low on this morning? Is it provision? Is it God's provision in your life? Maybe you're struggling financially. I don't know. Maybe maybe you're you're wondering what uh, what's going to happen next. Maybe you're more you're really concerned about you know there's more month than you do have money. Come on, anybody ever been there, right? And you're just wondering how God's going to m- make a way. Maybe you're running low on faith this morning. Maybe you're struggling deep down in your heart, and. And you feel like, hey, I, I, I came to church today as a last resort. Or I came uh, just because I, I'm not sure what, what's going to happen next. Maybe you're low on uh, direction, divine direction from God. And you're, you're seeking God. And God, man, the glass ceiling's there. And you feel like there's no direction. And you feel like God's not speaking or he's not hearing you. Maybe you're here today and you're spiritually drained or you're in a spiritual drought. And you haven't heard from God in a long time. And what are you running low on? Let me ask you that. Sometimes when we are running on empty, when we are exhausted, is when God asks us to do something from a very deep place. It's amazing. I've experienced this in my life. And so, and you know what? I, I'll tell you this. God can do a lot with just a little. Amen? How many know that God can do a lot with just a little? So here's point number two. Little is much. Everyone say little is much. You know what I've learned about God? God is not impressed with quantities. Big numbers, things like that. God is not impressed with quantities because I've seen in Scripture time and time and time again where God takes a little something and multiplies it and makes it into something great, right? God is into little things. All you short people ought to get excited, right? I'm one of them. God is into little things. Sorry, Tyler. God's into big things, too. He's into tall things. I'm just, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Uh, imagine this. Uh, he comes in and says, make me a cake. It sounds like a typical man, right? I'm coming in. Make me dinner. Make me a cake, right? Uh, make me a cake with what you have in your hands. And oh, yeah, and afterwards, there will be a continual supply of, uh, of flour and oil for you and your son. And I'll just tell you that. 
And can you hear the woman and, and the wheels in her head beginning to turn and going, wait a minute. Why not? Why not? Lord, if you can supply afterwards, why not just give me the supply now and, and then and then I can freely give and then I'll, I'll cook your cake and then I'll cook you another cake and I'll cook you a third cake and I'll cook you a fourth cake because I have a surplus. But the Lord doesn't work that way. Come on. How many know that the Lord doesn't always work that way? He's he's trying to develop in all of us faith. Amen. Everyone say faith. And, and God wants to make us men and women of faith. It doesn't take much faith to work out of a surplus. Right? It's not hard <laughs> to give $1,000 in an offering if you have a million dollars in your bank account, right? But if you've got $1,000 in your bank account, it's awfully hard to give $1,000. Oh, it, it's amazing to me. I, I, and listen, I don't want you to don't don't get your mind wrapped around just money here because I want to I want to just bring this all together. Uh, it's easy to give in the offering when you have a surplus of money, but what about when you have more month than you do money? What about uh, when your faith is wavering and, and and you're struggling to stand strong? In Mark twelve and Luke four, it tells the story of another widow who goes into the. Uh, temple, and she has two mites, two mites, and these two little coins. These are these are tiny, tiny little coins. They they call them mites because you know how anybody ever seen mites? They're little, right? Uh, and these little coins, these little little things, and they're worth one sixty fourth of a denarius. And some of you go, oh, what does that mean? It's worth about an eighth of what a penny is worth. How many know that's not worth a whole lot? Amen. That's a lot of a nothing. But the, the Bible says that all the rich were coming into the temple and they were clanking their offerings down and making a big scene about it. And, and but but Jesus says, hey, when that little widow woman came in with those two mites and she dropped them in there, listen, it made a louder sound and a bigger impression on Jesus than any of the rest because she gave out of sacrifice instead of surplus. Right. Oh, you should write this down, but true sacrifice is out of survival and never out of surplus. True sacrifice is out of survival, never out of surplus. We say, Lord, bless me. Give me this new car, and then I'll go pick people up for church. God says, go pick people up for church, and then I'll bless you with a new car. We get it backwards. We, we constantly have it backwards. God, uh, 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 you know, give first and then blessings are released. Now, now, before you roll over on your wallet this morning, I want you to understand this principle is also in serving others. Come on, right? This principle is also in faith. It's also in direction. So, you know, remember God told Abraham, and thank you for mentioning that today, Micah. God told Abraham, hey, I want you to leave where you're at and go to a place that I have not Yet I will show you. And how many know that takes faith to go somewhere that you've never been that you don't even know where you're going? That takes a lot of faith to just step out and go, okay, I just trust you, Lord. Is this the right step? Is this, nope. Is this the right step? Right? 
And I love what, how God does that. But, I, I, you know, how many know that in our walk with the Lord, it's one step at a time. God gives us one thing at a time. Hey, take this step of faith. And we take that step of faith. And we, we thought it was, uh, you know, impossible. And then we take that step. We're like, oh, I'm confident now. And God begins to build us as we take one step. Look at this. Matthew 6.33 says, but seek first what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. So that tells me, uh, uh, you know, uh, that, that we are to seek the Lord first. But that's tough for us, right? Because we have these temporal eyes and we have these things. We want to see things in the physical before we see them in the spiritual, right? Oh, we want the blessing before the faith. Come on, right? Am I speaking to anybody today? God, bless me, bless me, bless me. And God's like, oh, take the step of faith and then just watch me. You watch what I can do. How many remember in the Old Testament, God told the priests there at the, at the River Jordan and, 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 and Joshua, he told them, he said, step what? Into the water, right? He didn't say, hey, I part the water and then you step in. No, no, no. He told Joshua and the priest, he said, step into the water. And when they stepped into the water, the water parted and they were able to cross. How many know that it takes a step of faith sometimes uh, before the blessing? Amen. And so that widow that day, uh, she argued with Elijah, there's not much in my hand. And God said, I can use it. I can use what is in your hands. Maybe you're running empty and God, God hasn't spoke to you recently. Maybe your hope is waning. Let me ask you this. What is in your hand? What do you have in your hands? Some of you say, oh, I don't have anything in my hands right now. I'm talking spiritually. What is in your hand? What does God want to use that you have a hold of that maybe you're just trying to survive with and this? And God's like, I can use that if you'll let me. In Exodus there's, there's 4.2, it says that the Lord said to him, talking about Moses, he said, what is in your hand, Moses? And, and Moses is like, it's a staff. And, and God told him, he said, throw it down, and it became a snake. And then he would use that staff to lead the people of Israel. So Moses had a staff. Here's another one. Samson had a jawbone. He picked up a jawbone of a donkey. And then he wiped out, and he killed a 1,000 Philistines. Hannah had a baby boy who, who God gave her, and she put that baby in her hands and gave it back to God, and that would become the great prophet Samuel. David had a sling and five smooth stones in his hand, and God began to multiply, and God gave him a victory that day, and Israel a victory. The widow here, she had a little bit of flour and oil. A little boy in the New Testament had five loaves and two fishes, and God began to multiply that, and he had an excess. Matter of fact, there was so much left over that he sent the boys home with more than what he had. He had a lot of doggy bags that day, amen. Again, let me ask you, what is in your hand? It's amazing to me. You may say, oh, it's not much. It seems so insignificant. But let me ask you this. Do you have faith? Do you have faith that God can multiply the very thing that is in your hand? See, see, the, the Father is determined to make us women and men and women of faith. And he'll, he'll put us in situation after situation where faith must be exercised in our life. You know how you get strong? Exercise. Come on, I'm speaking right now, right? You know how you get strong? You go to the weight room. You walk. 
How do, you, how, do you, how do you get yourself healthy? How do you get yourself exercise? Faith is exercise. Lord, I, I'm taking one step at a time. Lord, this hurts. Lord, this is a struggle. Lord, this is a burden. God's like, you got this. You got this. You got this. Let me tell you something. It takes little or no faith to give out a surplus, but it takes tremendous faith to give out a survival. Amen? Especially when you don't have it, whether it's time, whether it's finances, whether it's love. Come on, some of you are struggling to give love to some of your family members because of things they've done. And God's saying, love on them, love on them, love on them. You're like, I don't want to take that step of faith. God's saying, love on them, pray for them. Come on, expect me to do great things in them. So she was in doubt that day, that widow, and about, about what she had in her hand. But little did she know that God was going to bless her tremendously. And I wonder, I can't help but wonder how many blessings we miss because we are stingy and we have closed hands when God's saying, hey, what is in your hand? Our flesh holds us, right? Our flesh, you know, we, we say, I, I've got this gifting, but I don't, I don't want to let no one. I have this talent. I don't want to tell him. I've got time or I've got love to give, but it's mine, 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 mine. And God's like, give me that. I can multiply it. Here's the thing, though. And not just really this church specifically, but we become so tight, uh, tight-fisted people who want God to do the miraculous and the supernatural in our lives. But, but yet we lack the faith to release it and give it to God and put it in his hands. Amen? Everyone say little as much. Only when God is in it. Amen? Here's the third one right here. Uh, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Take the lid off. Everyone say take the lid off. Take the lid off. So lids, and I, I probably should have brought a jar or something in here, but lids represent limits, right? Lids, you know, a, a lid. If you put a lid on something, there's a limit to what that jar can hold, right? Uh, and, and that's what they are. A lid will keep something contained. A lid will keep the, something contained and from spilling. And, and But here's the problem. When there's a lid on something, that means it's unusable, right? You, you, you put a jar and you put the lid on it, guess what? You cannot get to the contents of what is in that jar. It means that, hey, I can't pour it out. I can't use it. So uh, I want to talk to you today about taking the lid off. Here, here I'll give you a good example. This last week, uh, I, traveling and, and going, you know, when I go to camps, I'm smart enough to know that you go to the store before you, you go to camp when you're a camp speaker, all right, and, and you take some snacks with you because, uh, come on, some, how many of you know that sometimes camp food is not the best food? Come on. And when you get my age, camp food starts doing things to your body that you didn't realize would do to you when you were younger, right? Body can't handle it anymore. And so in the process, I, I went to the store and I got some of the uh, almonds. I mean, how many like almonds? Man, me and my wife are on this kick. We like these blueberry-flavored almonds. I know. They're probably full of all kinds of bad stuff, but we like them. And I saw some of those blueberry almonds when I was in California, and I grabbed those, and, and I grabbed another set of almonds. But the almonds, you know, they have a lid on them, right? And, and here's the thing. That, that lid was good, uh, you know, when I threw it in my backpack and running around. But when I want an almond, that lid is an obstruction to, to me getting in there and getting to those almonds. Amen? And don't get between me and my almonds, right? I, I'll just just tell you that right off the get-go. Amen. But God, listen to me, God wants to get to the good stuff in us, but sometimes we put lids. We put a lid. We say, hey, ah. Oh. But how many know that God wants to take the lids 
off of our lives. Hey, I'm God. I can I can use this. I can make this happen. I could I could I could I could work this for your good if you'll let me. What's in your hand? Come on, if you'll let me have that. Lids represent the limits. What are those? What we think God can do and cannot do. Come on. God, you could never use me. God, you could never do this. God, you could never change my attitude. God, you could never take my brokenness and make it right. And God's like, oh, just, just pop that lid off of you. Just watch and see what I could do for you. Lids. Come on. I'm going to go a little deeper. Lids can, can uh, uh, be the extent to which we trust God. Oof. I'll trust you this far, Lord, but don't, don't you dare. Don't you dare get in my bank account, Lord. Don't you dare tell me to go speak to someone and tell them about Jesus. It's a lid. All right? Lids can be seals that keep us from letting our, who God created us to be, to come out. Amen? I'll give you lids of doubt. I can never do that. God can never use me in that way. God's not interested in me. That's doubt. How about this? Lids of fear. Right? Wow. I can never witness to my neighbor. I can never tell them about the love of Jesus. I can never lead someone to Christ. Lids of fear. What about this? Uh, lids of skepticism. Oh, I know. You think everybody in the world's out to get you, right? Oh, everyone's got an agenda. Everyone's out. Get that lid off of you. Right? How about lids of failures? Oh, I've failed so many times. I just know that if I try, I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail. And God's saying this. I want to use you, but you've got to take off the lid so I can get to the good things inside of you. Sometimes if we want to see God in action and receive his blessing, you have to take the lid off and offer to God what you have, as little as it may be. God, this is all i got right here. And God's like, that's all I wanted this whole time. little as much when God is in it. God likes a little. Jesus said to the, the, uh, the kingdom of God is like the tiniest of seeds. He said it's like the mustard seed. How many have ever seen mustard seeds? They're little, little bit. Matter of fact, if I had one and threw it, we'd probably lose it in the carpet somewhere. And, but mustard seeds, it starts small, and as they begin to grow, the mustard bushes begin to grow, and everywhere and it provides safety and it does what well, it produces mustard it's a beautiful thing look at this verse 13 says this 13 um, um, through 14 it says this and Elijah said to her do not fear go and do as you have said but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me and afterward make something for yourself and your son for thus says the Lord the God of Israel the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. Hebrews 11.6 says, and without faith it is what? Impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and he that he rewards those who seek him. What that tells me is, uh, and I said this, uh, uh, well, I didn't say this this week. I had intended to say this this week to, to the teenagers at, there at the camp. But, um, and this will probably pop up in another uh, message here before too long. But when courage and action come together, it's called faith. It's one thing to have courage, but if you don't have the action to do it, hey, it's not faith. It's one thing to say, ah, I got the action, but I don't really have the It takes both. 
Courage and action is faith. Right? Courage and action is faith. I, I love that. So uh, I don't know uh, what made her do it. I don't know. The leading of the Lord. But, but you know what she did that day? She took her jars, took the lids off. I'll, I'll do it. I don't know. I may die here. I may not get my last meal. We may die. I don't know. But if you say these things, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust your God. Uh, Listen, Elijah, I'm going to trust your God. And in faith, she poured out what she had from a place of survival. Not out of uh, a sacrifice, uh, uh, a place of survival, not out of a place of surplus. She had had every reason to, to let the lid of doubt stay on that. She had every reason to keep her hands tight and stingy. But listen to me, listen to me, hear me out today. This is going to be super simple, but her obedience and faith moved God. Some of you need to understand something. Some of you are walking in disobedience and you're wondering, God, why are you not blessing me? Why are you not blessing me? Because he needs you to follow what he said. Some of you are walking with perpetual sins in your life. Be obedient. God will bless you. Love on him. I love the second part of this Hebrews eleven six. It says God rewards those who, who uh, in faith please God, and God rewards those who diligently seek Him. I, that's beautiful. You know what? When you take a step of faith, you know what that tells me. When I do something, God tells me to do it, and I follow through with it. God's going to reward me. Maybe right, not right now, but He's going to reward me at some point for taking that step. Look at this verse fifteen. And she went and did as Elijah said. And she and her household ate for many days. Everyone say, ate for many days. She didn't just get a cake with her son and die. No, 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 no. God sustained her. God gave her her need and then some. And the jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. Maybe you're here and, you've, you're, you've, and your faith is wavering. Maybe spiritually you're... You're dry or you're in a rut. Maybe you have the lid of fear that is keeping you from committing your life to the Lord. Maybe you have a lid of doubt or the lid of pride. God, I will not. Today, I'll just ask you, would you in faith and in action say, I'm ready to take this lid off. And I'm ready for God to use me in a greater way than he's ever used me. Amen. Will you stand with me all across this building? Stand with me, if you will. I had mentioned this earlier. This last week, going into this camp, I was, I went in just, uh, I'm just being real, a little spiritually drained, right? How many have ever been there? Listen, Pastor, I'll be honest with you. I, a little spiritually drained. Aren't you the guy that's supposed to be speaking? Yeah, I was a little spiritually drained. Oh, is it because you're not doing, no, 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 I, I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to be doing. But, you know, sometimes we just get in seasons where we give and we give and we're, we're you know. And, 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 and it was amazing to me that as, uh, you know, I was praying about it and I was like, God, I, I need your help. I, I need you to help me here because I, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I feel like I'm not in a place to really even minister to anybody. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, what's in your hand, TJ? have a message, Lord. Okay. You have a Bible? Yeah. You have a spirit of God in you? Yeah. Let me use that in you. 
Let me use that in a place of sacrifice or instead of a place of surplus. And let me begin to pour out of you. Come on. And as I, and as I did that, as I began to pour out, God began to pour into me. And, he, and, man, as I ministered, as I prayed for people, as I loved on people, God began to pour out to me. I, the second night of camp, and I'm sorry to just keep bringing up camp, but this is just fresh in my mind. Uh, we had an, an, uh, uh, an amazing altar call, and, and kids were just seeking the Lord. It was a beautiful moment. And I had asked all the, the workers and pastors to come down front and begin to pray for kids. And I watched these pastors as they were loving on teenagers and, and speaking life into them. It was beautiful, and I was praying for them. And while I'm up there and I'm ministering and, and laying hands on kids, I look over and I see a pastor and a pastor's wife. And, I, and the Holy Spirit said, you go ask them to pray for you. And I was like, whoa, that seems really selfish. I'm supposed to be the guy praying for people, not the other way around. And, and Holy Spirit said, you ask them to pray for you. So you know what I did? I was like, okay, God, I will do that. But let me go pray for some more people, right? And I, 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 I just got distracted doing other things. And I, I, was, I went to the back of the building, and I was encouraging a pastor back there. And, and the Holy Spirit, I saw this couple in the middle of the, the room. And, and the Holy Spirit said, you go ask those people to pray for you. I went over to them, and I love these. I love this couple dearly. They're great, great uh, friends of mine. They're older than me, but they're and and I went to them and I said, I, can, "Can will you guys pray for me?" I don't know why. I just, the Holy Spirit told me to ask you to pray for me. And I mean, they're seasoned ministers. Man, they just begin to pray for me and speak over me. And, and then he, uh, this pastor, gave me a little bit of a prophetic word. I mean, it was powerful. And I mean, I was just bawling. I was just crying. I was just like, thank you, Lord, for filling me up. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and mercy and all this good stuff. And I left there and I hugged them. And I was so encouraged. I was so happy for this. But that's not where the story ends because the next day I get up and I go to breakfast. And I'm sitting there at breakfast and this pastor comes up to me. And he says, thank you. And I was like, for what? And he said, for asking me to pray for you last night. And I said, okay, you're welcome. <laughs> he said, you, you don't know this, but I was fighting in my heart. I was struggling. He goes, I haven't been sleeping for a month. I've been, I've been, I felt down. I felt discouraged. I felt lost. I felt like I didn't know what to do. And he said, I'll be honest with you. When you asked me to pray for you, I got a little angry inside because I thought I was the one who needed to be uh, prayed for. He said, but as I begin to minister, the Holy Spirit began to deal with me and begin to speak to me and tell me, hey, I will use the broken things. And I will take something from the deep parts of you. And he began to prophesy over me. And he goes, as I begin to prophesy over you, God began to fill me. And God began to, to encourage me. And, and I left there. And he said, for the first time. Amen. Let me ask you this. Are you running on empty? Are you running on empty? I know. We've taken a little bit of time. I know it's a little bit. But listen, God is saying this to you. What's in your hand? What can I use? And will you, will you take the lid off today? Come on. This is, this is what I want to do. I know this is.